Good morning, everybody. Good to see everybody here. Hey, we are in a series in Psalm 23, and we're looking at Psalm 23 fresh, and we're really uh, wanting each verse to speak to us in a very personal way. It's easy to, this is such a jewel of one of the Psalms, and uh, written by David, who was a shepherd in the beginning phases of his life. Uh, and many of us know his writings in the Psalms and in other places. He also was a king. But uh, we're going to look at this famous Psalm 23, but not just read it through and kind of generally get something out of it. We're trying to take it verse by verse and allow each verse to speak to us. So we're going to start in verse 1. I'm going to talk about verse 3 today because we're on week 3. We're right there in the middle, and I welcome you to join me in this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I want to look at verse 3 this morning for a few moments here. He restores my soul. I love that about God that he has the desire and the power and the heart to restore our weary souls. And when our souls get tired and weary and stressed and burdened, we have troubles in this life. We have stressors. We have anxiety that we deal with. And God is the one out of anyone who's able to reach into the depths of your soul and have the ability to restore, to restore what's there. Restore, that word, when you just think about that word for a moment, it means to make new again. It means to revitalize. It means that God wants to take whatever is there that's tired, that's weary, that's ready to give up, and breathe fresh life into you. And that he is, he is the expert at doing that, to pour in to breathe fresh into our spiritual lungs. The word soul, when it says he restores our soul, the word soul is a big word. It really includes the whole person, that it includes your emotional state. It includes your mind. It, It includes a lot of things there. And it's just that human part of who you are that gets tired, that gets beaten down, that gets just tired of fighting the fight, of dealing with the issues. And God has the ability and the desire to take the exhausted, weary soul and breathe fresh life. He wants to do that in you today. Do you believe that? That's what he wants. That's what he's good at. That's what he's done from the beginning. Psalm 42, David says this in a different psalm, in Psalm 42. He said, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Hope thou in God. Why is my soul cast down? You ever wonder that? Sometimes you just feel the weight of it. You feel like you're under it. You can't pinpoint it on any one thing. David's using this term of being a cast down soul Because David was a shepherd, and any shepherd around the world would know what it means to be cast down, to have a cast down sheep, to have a cast down sheep. A shepherd, uh, uh, one of the shepherds who wrote a book, 
was Philip Keller, and in his book, this wonderful little book called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. So through the eyes of a shepherd, he writes this book, and he takes this and unpacks this psalm. And one of the insights that he gives in his book is that this, this position that a sheep gets into called being cast down. When a sheep is cast down, that what happens is, is their, their coat gets so heavy that they get top-heavy so that when they fall over, if they land on their side, they might be okay, but if they then flip over onto their back, they literally cannot get up. Their legs just stick straight up in the air, and they just sit there pathetic-looking. They can't flip back over. Some of us feel like that right now. And so the sheep will just sit there and bleat and cry, and they'll flail their legs, and they'll do what they can to roll, but they can't roll, and they can't get back over. And any animal can come along and attack them in that position. And what happens is, is if they stay in that position for even over uh, uh, two or three hours, gas begins to build up in their stomach. Their stomach grows hard. It's, it blocks their air passage, and they can suffocate to death within a couple of hours. Not only that, their legs go numb in that position. So on a hot day, a sheep that's cast down, if, if, if a shepherd doesn't find them and get them back up, what happens is, is that um, they will just die in that position. They need a shepherd. They need a shepherd to come to their rescue, to restore their soul. When a shepherd restores a cast-down sheep, it doesn't happen immediately. What happens is the shepherd will come, and he'll kneel down beside the sheep, and he'll grab one leg at a time. He'll begin to massage it to get circulation back into each one of their legs. And then he'll talk, and he'll speak reassuring words over the sheep to calm him down because he's so freaked out and stressed out. And then then he'll pick him up, and he'll turn him over right side up, but he'll just hold him, and he'll just pet him and talk to him because he doesn't have his equilibrium yet. And so once the shepherd realizes that he has his equilibrium back and circulation's been restored into their legs, he'll let him go. Isn't that a great picture of what God does in our lives? When a shepherd restores a cast-down sheep, he does it in love, he does it gently, he does it in a way that restores life back into that sheep. Some of us find ourselves on our back this morning, flailing, doing what we can to get back right-sided up, but it's just so hard. You've lost your equilibrium. Maybe you think you'll never get back up on your feet again. Maybe some of you have lost hope. You look out into your future and it looks depressing. Remember, the Lord is your shepherd. He's the one who leaves the 99 and looks for the one who's been cast down. And he, when he comes, he restores his sheep. He restores us, reaches into our soul, and he takes his tender hands and he wraps them around us and he puts us right side up and he he speaks words of affirmation and hope back into our spirit. And he waits until we have our equilibrium. Jesus Christ wants to restore your soul. He restores our confidence and he restores our peace and he restores our joy. See, we can restore all kinds of things like buildings, old cars, 
recordings, but only God can restore a human soul. Only God can do that. And he wants to do that this morning in you. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I mean, there's a stress that comes from being cast down, and there is an anxiety that comes from trying to just live life my own way and do kind of figure out my own plan and live by my own guidelines without the good shepherd leading the way because the Lord is my shepherd, so I shall not want. The good shepherd not only feeds us, he leads us. He not only provides, he also guides. The good shepherd not only direct or protects us, but he wants to direct us. God wants to lead. He wants to be our guide in this life. We, uh, my mom flew up from Tucson uh, just a couple days ago to go salmon fishing on the Columbia River, which we did on Friday. And uh, we had heard about this amazing salmon run coming up the Columbia and uh, best in like 40 years. And so we hired this guide by the name of Dan. Great guy, really one of the best guides on the Columbia River. And so uh, we get on his boat at six in the morning, fog on the, on the river, and we head out in, onto the river to these special spots that he knew of. Well, uh, one of my sons, because uh, it was Nathan and Zach and myself and my mom who went on this guided fishing trip, and uh, one of them caught a couple fish early in the morning. Then we went for this really long dry spell. And, you know, nobody out there was catching fish, and there are lots of boats out there. And you'd see some boats that, you know, just had kind of uh, people that decided, I went in on the gold rush of salmon, and so they just packed up their boat and went out there and thought they would figure it out. But I was so glad we were with a guide. Because it gave us confidence that, you know, we might be in a dry spell, but we're going to end up catching. And so by the end of the day, we just listened to what he said. He would tell us what to do. We were interacting all day long. We were in the hot sun. Uh, it was it, nine hours out there on the river. But we would just listen, and whatever he said, we would do it. Because we were like really wanting salmon. And so if he said, drop your, you know, drop your line down 50 feet, man, we would 50, boom, right on the mark. He said, bring it up four, we'd bring it up four. We'd do whatever he said because we wanted it to end successfully. And the last two hours, because he knows the river, he knew every, every rock in the river. He had fished it for 40 years. He brought us to the places no one else was really going to, and we were able to limit out. And I wish I could invite you all over today for lunch, but I can't. I know some of you want that. But we were glad to have a guide who knew what he was doing. You know where I'm going with this, don't you? God is a guide like no other. You can, you can try and float your own boat. You can try and get out there and figure out life on your own. That's up to you. You can try that. But there's nothing like having a guide who knows every ounce of this life and who leads us and guides us into his paths of righteousness, which means right living, right thinking, that when we live our life, we leave behind a legacy and we leave behind a life that impacts other people. I want that. My response to God's leadership is to listen and to obey. When God says to do it, to not 
second guess it, to not pick and choose what I'll do and what I won't do, but just to say, God, if you said it, I'm going to do it. You're the guide. You're the leader. You know where to go. And even when I'm in a dry spell, even when I'm in a place that's hot and hard and like suffering in my life, I know God will get me through it to another place, to a better place. That when it's all said and done, we'll live the kind of life that leaves an impact in other people. My problem is I like to go my own way. A lot of guys do. We don't like directions. If we're lost, we'll just figure it out on our own. And sheep by nature do that. They tend to wander. They tend to get off their path. They tend to be pretty stubborn. And what they do is they'll just take a path and they'll just do that path until it becomes a rut. And some of us this morning are walking through this life in a rut. You're in a rut. Do you know you're in a rut? Sheep often don't even know they're in a rut. And that's why they need a shepherd to get them out of that rut and find fresh, green pasture. God has watched us now for thousands of years, and hey, he decided to compare us to sheep. And in Isaiah, 50, Isaiah the prophet in chapter 53 said this, Every one of us have strayed away like sheep. We have left God's paths to follow our own. See, our own self-determination, our personal pride, you know, it's kind of the American way of thinking that if it's up, if it's going to happen, it's up to me. If it's to be, it's up to me. And what a huge mistake to live that way instead of to humble ourselves and say, I need a guide, I need a shepherd in my life. See, God doesn't want you to follow somebody else's path. He doesn't want to make you like someone else to carbon copy his kids. Every single person is created in a unique way, fearfully and wonderfully made. God wants us to just walk on his path and be guided by him and listen to him and obey him because when we do, we carve out that path that he's predestined for us to walk out. He wants us to make impact. He wants us to leave a life that's a legacy. He wants our life to count. So how do you hear God? How do you know that you're following the shepherd? Well, there's a couple ways that we know God's will. One of them is right here. Aren't you glad that God has given us his written word, preserving it through, through the millennia in order to have something that we can Determine the paths of righteousness right here. Well, another, another way is through the Spirit, that when we become a believer in Jesus Christ, we ask Jesus to forgive us for our sin. We just invite and embrace what he did on the cross. The Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. And now the Holy Spirit begins to speak into our thinking and into our attitudes and our values. And he even speaks through the Word of God and makes this living to us. The Holy Spirit is one of the ways that we listen to God and get our instructions. And then a third way is through wise people, people people who know God, people who have walked with God longer than us. And as we seek those people out in our life, added to the Word of God, added to the Holy Spirit, that's another great way that we can hear God's voice and follow His paths. And the fourth Fourth way is through divine circumstances. 
And we've all probably experienced some of those before, certain open doors or closed doors in our life where maybe God causes our path to intersect with somebody else's path at just the right time. It's no mistake that you're here this morning. You're here because God knew you would be here. And you're here so Jesus Christ could say this to you. You matter to me. I love you. I died on a cross for you. And I want to restore your soul. And I want to help you walk in the paths of righteousness in your life. He restores the cast down soul and he leads the wandering into paths of righteousness for his name's sake. When we were on that, on that guided fishing trip Friday and we didn't catch anything and it's getting close to noon, Dan, the guide, had another customer coming in in the afternoon. He was going to dump us at 12. And, but, he, you know, I pulled the mom card and flying in from Arizona and all that. But in addition to that, feeling sorry for us and everything and wanting us to have a good experience. We had only caught two. We had four people in the boat. We were looking for 10. And it wasn't just us. His name was on the line. I mean, this guy cared about his reputation. This guy, he, he viewed himself as the best guide out there. He was not going to go back to that dock with two fish. So he rearranged his second client, had his dad take him. He stuck with us until we had limited, because his name was there. You see, God guides us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake, because God is a a God of character and integrity, and his name is on the line. It's not about my name or your name. His name is trustworthy, and he is a guide like no other. So how do we cooperate with that? How do we How do we let God restore our soul? Well, let me give you a couple ideas here. One of them is let God remove your guilt. Nothing destroys a soul faster than undealt with guilt. Guilt, it's a heavy weight. It it weighs us down. It burdens us. Hebrews 12.1 says this, Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress. So how do you get rid of guilt? How do you deal with it? Well, a couple things you don't do is you don't deny it. Oh, I don't have any guilt. I'm good. I've never sinned. I'm good. Oh, man, maybe back way, way long time ago. You don't minimize it. You don't rationalize it. You don't blame somebody else for it. In order to let God deal with guilt, we just confess it. We just get honest with it. We own it. We say, Lord, I've sinned. I've I've gone my own way. I've done my own thing. And when we come to him in honesty and humility and we give it to him, God takes it from us. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, Everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. The most basic truth of Christianity is Jesus Christ has paid your debt and my debt in full, but we have to appropriate it. We have to place our faith in it. We have to trust it by trusting Jesus. How do you get that forgiveness? Well, you just trust. 
You ask, you receive by faith. And that's available to every one of us this morning. The second thing we can do is let, let God relieve our grief. And some of us are grieving this morning. And grief is another heavy burden on our lives. Sometimes we grieve because of things that have happened to us. I mean, often, sometimes I grieve because of stupid things I've done, but often grief happens to you. We experience loss. We experience pain. And through that, we experience loneliness. Because this is not heaven. This is earth we live on. And earth has lots of problems. Some days you wake up and you just feel so lonely. Or your heart feels heavy. Or you feel broken. Or you remember your losses. Or maybe people that you loved were taken out of your life. Grieving over a divorce or grieving over a death of a loved one or a, re- a friend that rejected you or a failure in business. See, whatever the reason is, God wants to help deal with that grief that can cause us to be cast down. When your heart's breaking, what do you do? Well, a lot of us, what we want to do is hide, run away, get away from people, get away from church, get away from God, just get alone because We feel so terrible, and yet pushing everyone out of our life is not the answer. When we're grieving, the best place to go is to the cross, not away from it. The best place to go is to allow community of people that love you, wrap their arms around you and help you and walk with you through it rather than cloister and hide out. Some of us are going through grief right now. We need to receive this prophecy of Isaiah in Isaiah 61, he said that God wants to comfort all those who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. See, we don't have to remain a prisoner of our pain. The third thing, the final thing is let God release you from resentment. Another thing that brings heaviness into our spirit and and causes us to be cast down in our soul is when we take on these resentments, grudges, things we can't let go of. And that's the difference between allowing God to make you better versus becoming bitter. And you'll notice there's only one letter between those two words, and it's I. And I get to choose. Will I become bitter or will I become better? giving that emotional garbage to God, not, not letting it fester in our hearts. Job said this in the Bible, to worry yourself to death with resentment would be a foolish, senseless thing to do. Why? Why is it foolish? Why, why is it stupid? Because resentment doesn't hurt the other person. Resentment hurts who? It hurts you. It hurts me when we harbor it. The other person walks on with their life totally oblivious that you're sitting there holding something against them. They don't care. They're fine. And that's why God wants us to turn our resentments over to him and get released from them, forgiving people, letting God deal with people, blessing instead of cursing. Put the past in the past and move into a future. Bitterness is blindness, Martin Luther King said. Why? Because the more bitter we become, the more blinded we become to the good things God's doing 
all around us. The Bible tells us Jesus Christ is the good shepherd. When we read Psalm 23, that beautiful psalm about the shepherd and the sheep, we're looking at Jesus. Jesus said he's the good shepherd. He laid down his life for the sheep. That's you and me. That he died on the cross to prove that love. And he died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. And yet it's those who trust in his name, those who walk in his paths, those who yield their heart to him, who he will restore and he'll bring them right side up. He'll speak words of truth and words of affirmation. Mark's gospel tells us this, that Jesus came upon a great crowd of people And he said in Mark 6, when Jesus went ashore, he saw this great crowd and he had compassion on them because he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. That tells me that when Jesus looks at you and I, one, he sees you. He sees you. He knows your pain. He knows what you're processing. He knows your grief. He understands your weariness. And he has compassion on you because he's good. And compassion means he can enter into that pain and he sees it and he can feel it because he said they were like sheep without a shepherd. Will you let him be your shepherd? That's not a wimpy term. It's a strong term. God is a strong God. And we are sheep in great need of a shepherd and need of restoration in our lives. Maybe you find yourself having wandered off of God's path. He wants to get you back on the right path. Maybe you find yourself weary and burdened and weak. And Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary, and you will find rest in me. I want to invite the worship team to come and worship with this song and ask that every one of us would just let God speak to you through this song. And would you begin to just open your heart to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in bringing restoration to your soul and guiding us onto his paths. Come to me, and all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me, and all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, you will find rest for your soul. And you will find rest for your soul. Come to me, and all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me, 
And all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. You will find rest for your soul. You will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Take my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So come to me. And all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So come to me, and all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. the promise of Jesus into our life. I want to invite us right now just to spend some time, not in a hurry, just spend some time praying. Would you bow your head with me? God, we thank you that you're the good shepherd. You laid down your life for your sheep, and that's, that's me, God. That's, that's each one of us in this room. Because you're that type of a shepherd that will love us to that degree. And Lord, we thank you that you will leave the 99 coming after the one when we stray from your path because you love us. You long for us to walk with you. And you restore us when we're cast down. Some of us find ourselves feeling in need of restoration of our soul this morning because we feel cast down. God's been speaking to you. And if that's you, I, I want to pray directly for you. So just as we're praying, if you find yourself in need of just the restoration of your soul, would you lift your hand to God? This is just between you and God, but I want to pray for you. I'm not going to call on you or anything. But if, if you need restoration, good. Good, I'm going to pray for you. But it's our response in faith to God to say, yes, I need that. I want that. I want to pray for you right now. God, you know each person, Lord, who has their hand lifted. You know what they're going through. You know the stressors in their life. You know the hurts. You know the pain. You know the grief. And Lord, I pray that you would begin a process of restoration where you come up beside them and begin to speak encouraging words that restore, that bring hope. 
that help each one see their potential and see the good plan you have for them. And Lord, I pray that you will right-side each one of us who find ourselves in that place. And God, that you will restore equilibrium to our spiritual life and to our emotional health. We receive that. We receive that. Can you receive that? Say, Lord, I, I know it may not be instantaneous in this moment. For a few it may be, but for many of us, it's you're on a new path now where God is restoring your soul. Receive that. And as we're praying, some have wandered off of the path. You find yourself having wandered off of God's path. And you want to come back. You want to let him guide you. Let him lead you. Let him be the God, the Lord of your life, shepherd of your soul. And if that's you, just lift your hand. Again, I'm going to pray directly for you. Lift your hand to God. Thanks. Yeah. If you find yourself having wandered, wandered off of his path, you want to return to him. Lord, you see these hands. You know the people. You know their circumstances. And I pray that their own act of faith, Lord, that they are asking right now, Lord, I want to return to your path. I want you to be Lord. I want you to shepherd me. I need you as my guide. Come into my life, God. Guide me. Lead me. Get me back on that right path. And finally, just in this moment of prayer, Maybe you're here today and you've never invited Jesus Christ to be Lord and Savior of your life. You know about him, you know about God, you believe in God, but you've just never stepped across the line of faith and said yes to God. Yes, Lord, you be my leader. You save my soul. You forgive my sins. I am embracing what you did on the cross. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand to God right now. I want to pray for you. I want to lift that need up to God. You want to just come to Him. You want to receive Jesus Christ. You've not done that before. You're making Him Lord today because He's speaking and has spoken to your life. Anybody? All right. I'm going to pray for you. Lord, would you just bless those two hands, Lord, just raise to you, God. Just fill them with the power of your Holy Spirit. I just invite you to pray along with me. Jesus, I'm inviting you into my life. Lord, it's not just an emotional response. I recognize I need you. I need you as my guide. I need you as my Savior and my Lord. And I'm asking that you forgive me and fill me now with your Spirit and lead and guide me into a fruitful, successful life that my life might make impact in this world. I receive that. And God, we just thank you for your goodness, that you are an amazing God. We love you, and we worship you today in Jesus' name.